The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. Many times the wisdom in the room is like right next to you, so I'm going to ask you to introduce yourselves before I introduce myself. And um, if you already know each other, that's fine. But you're going to uh, say your name. Let's practice uh, your gender. So say I, I use he or him or she or they or whatever gender uh, pronoun you use. What is something sweet that you like? And finally, what do you think is the point of meditation? <laughs> so again, your name. Maybe turn to someone that you don't know and uh, say your name. Gender pronoun, something sweet, and what's the point of meditation? I am a teacher, so I'm going to ring the bell and raise my hand. If you see me raise my hand, you raise your hand, and if you see somebody raise their hands, that's the time to come back and quiet down. So that way I don't have to scream or do anything horrible, okay? It's 11.02. Let's take uh, two, three minutes each person, and uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. You're such good students. I'm going to tell Mark you were kind to the sub. So, <laughs> it's true. Um, so, my name is Nils. I live in San Francisco and I used to live in the Twin Cities. I used to live in St. Paul and in Minneapolis. And uh, when I'm in town, I stop by sometimes. And uh, just before I again start, just curious if anybody would like to share something that you heard about what is the point of meditation or something you heard yourself say. You don't have to. Just sometimes it's kind of like, oh, she just said something really interesting. I have a mic if you want. Okay. Just the opportunity. Yeah, we have one person. Thank you. My name is Sharon, and meditation for me is, um, my intention is to bring calm to my life and to see where I am creating my own suffering in my mind. Beautiful, thank you. And what sweet thing do you like? My dog, Molly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was thinking desserts, but we're not going to go. <laughs> I'm sure Molly's safe. <laughs> and I'm Chaya, and I, I agree with her, and I want, for me, it's an extension further of being aware of how I may harm others in the world and so that through understanding my own suffering, I understand others and can hopefully prevent myself from causing further suffering to others. And my artwork is sweet. 
I didn't think of I didn't think of this, but I thought of it now. Um, I love a book by Saknye Rinpoche. I think that's his name, and he says we're born with sweetness, and I try to get in touch with that. Thank you. Hello, I'm Jesse. I think for me, the point of meditation is kind of to let thoughts or feelings pass that are um, that could be harmful or destructive or that um, are kind of lower or negative, kind of turn those into something that could be like shining gold, maybe instead of something lower or crude. Um, and just to be more clear-seeing, clear. Um, and something sweet, maybe chocolate with almonds. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you. There's one in the back. Uh, my name is John. Um, I first got into it because, you know, release from suffering and calming the mind. And my thought was that I would find joy, somehow find it. But now, I don't know if this is the point of it, but uh, meditation, but I think after just two and a half years now, my idea is to not find joy, but release it somehow. And that's what I'm working on. Sweet. Uh, I'm afraid it's very pedestrian. Uh, glazed donuts. <laughs> Good one. Okay. Uh, my name is Alex, uh, and meditation for me. Um, wow, I already lost it. What was it? It's so many things for me, but um, I sit in front of a computer for work eight hours a day, and so I just need a moment to. Uh, settle everything and I think that I've realized as I've gotten older is that so much of life for me is not what's happening but how I'm reacting to it and uh, like the feeling of anger for instance is a really difficult feeling for me to feel uh, it's so thick um, and so the act for me meditation is like okay I'm never going to stop feeling anger it's not a feeling that I'm going to be able to get rid of so how can I change the way that I see it and the way that I interact with it so I can actually be more compassionate with anger rather than trying to repress it or, you know, whatever you do to get rid of it. Curious, um, last comment maybe, and then we'll, thank you. Um, Meditation over the years has meant many things, but I think recently it's um, just trying to appreciate the grace of aging and what that brings to us and and understanding the the gains and the losses that that happens uh, for all of us as our bodies can't do what they used to do and things change and tragedies occur as they do for all of us and being able to sit with that and being there. Sweetness, uh, we do live in Minnesota, it's uh, Nordic skiing. How, how many people here are new to meditation? Fairly newish. Okay. Um, 
How many people are new to Common Ground, your first time here? A few people, okay. So I, I find, you know, I've been meditating most of my life, and, and it's different things at different points. And um, I grew up Catholic in El Salvador, and I'm so grateful to have been introduced to the different kinds of prayer. So there's mystical prayer, which is very akin to what Hindu and Buddhist people do, and there's prayers of gratitude and prayers of intercession and prayers of forgiveness and atonement. In lay Buddhism, you don't have the confession stuff that the Buddhist monks, we, we, as a monk, I used to confess twice a month whatever things I had done, right? And so, you know, people make fun of Catholics confessing, and I'm like, Buddhists do it too. <laughs> it's a form of, of uh, therapy, and you know, and in the Buddhist scriptures, the word is bhavana. And out of bhavana, you have vipassana and you have samatha. And they overlap. So samatha is calmness. And bhavana, uh, in the form of insight, is what we call vipassana. So you can investigate and reflect um, and so on. Anybody here knows the title of my talk today? What is it? Yeah. <laughs> if I don't like the present moment, if the present moment is really, really difficult, why it's like, be here now. Like, why? And it's one thing to say, be here now, but in the description of what dukkha is, that which is difficult to withstand, the first noble truth, goes, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair are dukkha. Sorrow, sadness. How can I be mindful when I'm sad? Lamentation, when I'm regretting or complaining, how can I be mindful? Pain, I'm so sensitive to pain. I have a, a tattoo here. My friend had to hold my hand and I'm just like, you know, and this is where it supposedly hurts the least, right? <laughs> But I remember telling myself, okay, I gotta be mindful, I gotta be mindful, I gotta be mindful, because my body's super sensitive to pain, or at least I think I am, I could be just a wimp. Um, <laughs> yeah. And grief, there's nothing like grief. Right? You know, grief gets you very close to your own death. You know? and, and there's, there's nothing that can make grief be better. How can you be mindful if you are in the midst of grief? I mean, that's a really tough thing to, to see. Yeah? And despair. You know, the moment of despair, how can I be mindful? And why would I want to? And that's an interesting thing. Like when, when you hit that wall of, you know, whether we call it depression or anxiety or whatever it is, how am I going to self-medicate? And so there are the things that can lead you to addiction that can be very dangerous for your life, right? Where you can be like, I will take this and I will forget about this present moment that is so difficult. With me, I remember, I, you know, I, I don't know why, I would wake up and there was just anxiety all over my body. And I've had it for, it still happens once in a while, but I remember going to my teacher, you know, and I'm like, I have this anxiety and like, I just want it like the magical mantra or like the practice that would take care of it. He goes, be, really be mindful of it. And I was so mad at him. 
You know, it's just like, and he wasn't, you know, you can do that with spiritual bypass. Like you can have trauma and somebody say, just be mindful of it. And that's irresponsible because what you need is medicine. You know, if, if there is some traumatic thing, you can't just say, be mindful of it. You actually have to go through a process of healing. Um, but I remember what I, you know, when I moved back to Minnesota, I discovered that if I went to the steam room at the gym and I was really close to the thing, I would just fry my anxiety away. I was, by the end, I was just like sweating and I was just like, oh, now a cold shower and the anxiety has gone. And, uh, and I don't know at what point I was like, you know what, I need to stop doing that and just kind of like uh, be with this and, and learn from it. But it wasn't until I was ready, you know, it wasn't, uh, I must do this or I have to do that. And as I've gone through different therapies and different somatic practices and different things, you know, I grew up in a civil war and I was afraid of windows is what I usually tell people because I never knew when a bomb would explode. And I just had this image of glass on my back, stuck when I was a kid, and earthquakes and all this stuff. So I needed to do a lot of healing uh, practices that are not just be here and now. And that moment of I am experiencing dukkha, right? how, how does it, what does it mean to be in it? What does it mean to be mindful of it? It's, a, it's, a, it's quite a question to actually say, what am I going to do? And in spiritual traditions, there are some paths you can take. One of the paths, and Ajahn Sumedho, again, my teacher, used to talk about this constantly, patient endurance. And in the Christian tradition, it says you have to bear your cross. You know, a lot of religious metaphors, if you can understand them, I feel like I'm trilingual now spiritually because Hinduism, Catholicism, and Buddhism inform my life. And I've started going back to Mass because I need the ritual. You know, in California, it's like really heady and kind of... Um, so, anyway. <laughs> Patient endurance is... Uh, you know, in Pali, it would be the quality of kantiko. Like your, your kanti is the, the quality of holding on, having, you know, that endurance is not like, oh, but actually it's a form of mindfulness. And some people say, this shall pass. Actually, we don't know if it's going to pass or not. You know, things are impermanent, but people have illnesses that are not going to pass. It's chronic thing that is in the body. And again, if you have trauma or anything like that, you can't just say this shall pass. And so this is a, it, it, it's a form of mindfulness to be patient. And in English, again, patient, you can like, oh, I don't have the patience to embroider. Well, if you love embroidering, that's not patience. You're enjoying the process. It means I don't have the focus to embroider. But to stay with the pain, uh, it's also a form of growing up. Where you, where you actually become somebody who is strong enough to be patient. So that would be one path. Um, the other one is the right effort, which is part of the Noble Eightfold Path. And you come into a reflective thing and say, whatever is good, I'm going to keep it. So for example, I used to suffer a lot as a kid with resentment, because I kind of enjoyed resentment. I'm a number four in the Enneagram, if you've ever studied the Enneagram. 
we kind of like to suffer a little bit and kind of like dwell in our suffering a little bit. You know? Very artistic and kind of like, oh, just, just, just let me suffer for a little bit. <laughs> and resentment as a way to, of punishment. And, you know, I, I, I remember the, the moment too where, because I was doing this recently. This is the thing, like you can study, you can do this, but you still have your personality and your karma. And so with my husband, I'm not used to this word yet, got married about five months ago or something, after 10 years. Anyway, I remember that I was doing silent treatment and I was crossing the street and I was like, never again. I just had this thing of like, I'm not going to do that again. You know, it just came like, and that's the right effort of whatever is kind of garbage, whatever is bad, you push it away. Whatever is good, you keep it. And whatever is not good, you bring it in. It's very simple. But where you're in the middle of your craziness, it's not that simple. Right? And so whether it's resentment or let's say jealousy. Jealousy can bring a lot of suffering. And then to say, okay, what I need is to reflect on contentment. Because it's a word that in American culture is not celebrated. Contentment is not understood. It's like whatever I have right now, you know, I have enough. Like I'm not in a needy place. And so that would be the right effort. Okay? You, you reflect on whatever's making you suffer. And if, if it's you who's making you suffer, then that would be one way of looking at it. And also to, to actually reflect is do I want to um, explore this? You know, it can lead you to ask for forgiveness. It can lead you to start preparing the ground for you forgiving someone. <coughs> I, I talk about this a lot, that forgiveness cannot be wished. It is a grace. This is what I like some of the Christian things. It's a, it's a gift. You, know, you experienced, the demon left you. Okay, that's the image of you've been holding on to this hurt and that wound is open and it's ugly and it can infect your body and it can kill you. And you can have hurt that is like that and sometimes that becomes a scar. It's an ugly scar, but it can no longer hurt you. That's a gift. So I was telling someone, and you know, I talk, the examples of when I have experienced forgiveness, it, it, it feels like a release, and sometimes it's immediate. I had a huge one with my dad um, that cleared a lot of stuff, but then little ones, but also to be open to it. Um, and the present moment, let's say many people don't like the political situation, then use Yoniso Manasikara. Yoniso Manasikara is is really wise reflection. And you look at the history of our species. When was it great and where? Really. You were in your village and some Vikings would come and do things to women and kill the men and take the goods and leave. That's what it was like in Norway at some point. <laughs> And you know, so many of our species in our history, we didn't have enough calories to keep the body healthy. People died at 36. You got married at 14, and the women didn't have a choice. Many times the men didn't either. 
So look at you know, our cultures, our past. When was it so wonderful that now it's so bad? I was reflecting on a headline that appeared in the newspaper in San Francisco last week, and it said, unemployment is at a record low in California. It's like, okay. Because most of what I hear is, are the issues of gentrification. Well, gentrification is not really the problem. Since the 1950s, it was the planned removal of working class people. Right? The Filipino community was taken out, and then a great convention center was built in. And now people get employed. And so there's different sides of all these things. We are successful as a species, meaning there's so many of us. Right? We live longer. There's all these health stuff, especially in rich countries. Not so good for animals. So it's that image of that, um, those things that you, in the carnival that you pop. The, what is that called? Whack-a-mole. It sounds like guacamole. Like whack, okay, you whack a mole. Yeah, and that's what, that's what your life can be. Like, if I change my job, things are going to be great. And it's like, oh, I have a new boss. That, you know, you go like... <laughs> it's like, everything's great now, but oh, now I'm old and not so healthy. Right? And there's so much in the, in the Buddhist scriptures about the reflection on getting older and sick and death. And so not liking the present moment, I think, is the crux. You know, suffering is the most mundane <laughs> thing. The first noble truth is what every single person experiences. There's nothing special about it. Absolutely nothing special about it. Now, in American culture, you celebrate your suffering and make it, you glamorize it sometimes. My suffering is really important. My suffering is very special. Let me tell you all about it. And actually, it's not. It's what every single person who has a body experiences. And that's the first noble truth. Instead of getting really, really high, there's dukkha. <laughs> How do you deal with it? How you deal with it is the second noble truth. How many of you have ever heard the term paticca samupada? Yeah. So we have one person. The term I remember, how I remember this term is like Patty is dancing the cha-cha with Sam. <laughs> so Patty, cha, so Patty is, da- Patty is dancing cha-cha-cha, and Sam no puede, you know, si se puede. <laughs> so like Patty and Sam are trying to, you know, so Paticha Samupada is the 12 links of um, how suffering happens. Scholarly, there's a lot of debate, and I used to read so much about it. You know, Prapayuta was a scholar who used to say, this is a process that can happen moment to moment. There are some traditionalists that say, this is a three-lifetime process. So there's 12 links of what the process of suffering and how we are reborn and born and so on. So the first two links are something that happened in your past life. The eight links in the middle is what's happening in this life. And the last two links is something that's going to happen in your next life. Why I didn't like that is because past lives and future lives, you know, I don't want to take a stand on it. I, like, I don't experience that when I wake up. I have gone to past life regressions, which was kind of fun. But even after that, I don't, 
you know. And Paticca Sampada talks about how consciousness comes. In Western science, many times they talk about consciousness being in the body. In a lot of Eastern and other traditions, the body is in consciousness. So consciousness is there before humans. And uh, it's an interesting thing. And so ignorance is the beginning of it all, avijja. So you're ignorant. Tibetans have a lot of colorful ways of looking at it. And what I was really interested in, you know, that process then talks about then you are born. Out of this ignorance, there's craving, and then you get embodied. And you kind of get trapped in this cycle of birth and rebirth, in the cycle of suffering. And that process talks about when nama rupa, rupa is like, this is a Buddha rupa, so rupa is a body. When your six senses, which is the five senses that we know plus the mind, hit an object. So when you hear an unpleasant sound, Right. I'm dealing with misophonia at the moment. Anybody know what misophonia is? It's like I can't stand the sound of chewing. <laughs> and you know, in the Buddhist scripture, there is a rule for monks. Don't make suru suru and chapu chapu sounds. Right? And so, I'm, you know, I'm a sophisticated meditation teacher, and I can't stand the sound of chewing. But it's, a, it's, a, it's an experience. I'm like, oh my God, it's just chewing. Right? But that moment is like now my, my, my sense of hearing is con- connecting with the sound and then you can go into the whole chain of suffering. And so it's a very scientific almost way of anger by definition is reacting to something. You cannot have anger if your body is relaxed by definition. Your body has to have a reaction to many of these emotions. So when you don't like the present moment, when are you going to have time to study Paticca Samuppada? Like, oh, I'm, you know, someone just did, someone just slapped me. Let me think, when did the link, what link am I in? Right. But as you go, you know, they used to say, if you break one of the links, then you can be enlightened. And in the scriptures it states, whoever understands Paticca Samuppada understands the Dhamma. Whoever understands the Dhamma understands Paticca Samuppada. But because it's so complex, most teachers avoid it to talk about this. And I use all of these things as reflection. Same within the Catholic faith, you know, like the stories. The Jesuits do a, a meditation of reading a passage of the Bible and imagining yourself in it. And I was doing this with a Christmas story. And I never, I was like, oh my God, there's this pregnant woman. And she looks so nice, like with silk. I'm like, she has been traveling and she's pregnant and nobody will give her a place to stay? Can you imagine being the husband of like a woman? It's like, she's giving birth, you know? And I was doing this meditation. I was like, wow, what is the teaching of that? You know? This urgency of, of wanting something to happen. It's a spiritual urgency. And that is what in the Buddhist scriptures, I don't like to say the Buddha said, because I wasn't there, so I'm like, I, I've read some Pali scriptures, but it, the, the encouragement is, is pay attention to those moments of suffering. You know, and Yoniso Manasikara, it's reflection. And it's a lifetime of it. How do I suffer? 
Yeah. Why do I want to be in the present moment? And you know what? Sometimes it's okay to say, I can't deal with this. When the body's tortured, the body's kind and it faints. You will faint right? when there's too much pain. The body can't be in the present moment. You need a break. And sometimes that's when you have to be so kind to yourself. And sometimes, like, to be kind to myself, I need some cheesecake. <laughs> you, know, you can do that a few times. You know, not, not all the time, but you know. Sometimes that's what's needed. That's the medicine that's needed. And, and to, be, you know, to be wise to the point where you look at the crazy world that you're in, and you're like, I'm still going to feel gratitude. Gratitude is a form of mindfulness. You have enough space to know what you have. You know, I constantly am thankful that I just move my wrist and I've got clean water. I'm sorry, that's not something that a lot of humans have. And now I don't even have to move my finger to turn the lights on. I'm like, Alexa, turn the lights on. And <laughs> you know? And sometimes I'm, Alexa, turn on the light to 50%. That's not something that people around the world have. And, and, I'm, and I feel grateful for it. And, and to honor my ancestors, I allow joy to happen. You know? Why do people work with social justice? You know, why do we sing we shall overcome? So that the people in the future can be happy. You know, I teach with immigrant kids. Their families are facing deportation. My aunt has a TPS from El Salvador, which we're from some type of country. And is that going to stop me from being joyful? Sometimes it's really painful to see the depression and the anxiety my aunt is experiencing. Because if she gets deported, she will die. She needs medicine to be here. And so compassion is a mature practice. But what's the point? of practicing, if you can't bring joy and happiness. And if, I, you know, if I'm in front of my 96 freshmen that I teach art, I have to say, you know what? A brown gay person can be happy. They need that example. They need that from us. What the world needs is joy and spiritual maturity, people that grow up. We don't need any more complainers. <laughs> Seriously, complaining is so easy. It requires very little sophistication to complain. So if you're stuck in complaining, try to stop it, please. <laughs> Seriously. Get over it. Because turn that lamentation into spiritual practice. And don't feel guilty about feeling joy. Because we need joy in the world. We do. You know, the, the, it, we live in a painful place. There's so many people are suffering, but there's also things to celebrate, and uh, and that's important to do. Okay, um, we're going to finish by sharing with your with your body just for a couple of minutes. There's going to be kids who are going to come and be with us. So instead of asking me questions, maybe something that I said that you disagreed with, or or you kind of like, oh, you know, I'm thinking, turn to your um, partner. We're going to talk for about. Uh, two minutes each. Uh, I'm just going to talk to each other, and then we'll do the same thing. Ring the bell, and, and then we'll finish up. Okay. So go ahead and kind of like, what's what sparked in your mind at the moment? So go ahead and share.
This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.